0: This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Wow, you guys are calling with some awesome questions. We're going to get to those questions in just a few moments. Phone number, join the conversation, 877 877- But before we go to the phone lines, man, am I fired up about next Thursday. Next Thursday is our upcoming Zoom webinar. Um, We're going to take on a pretty heavy topic. We're going to take on church hurt, and it is a big, big topic. Some of you may have heard me reference this groundbreaking study called The Great Dechurching which chronicles the most seismic shift in American religious construction since uh, the dawning of our country. More people have opted out of uh, church connection and fellowship. And uh, when you dig into the numbers of why that is, about 37% of those folks say it's because they had a negative experience with the church or because of what we would call church hurt. So how do you survive church hurt? How do you maintain your faith in Christ if you've come through that? How do you sojourn and walk with a friend or a neighbor or family member? Through that, we're going to talk about all of that and much, much more. Surviving Church Hurt is the title. This is for our monthly partners. If you have not yet registered, you can do so if you're a monthly partner. Uh, by going to your inbox, just go to your email, search under equipper Encouragement, If you're a monthly partner, we would have already sent you uh, the registration instructions and link. It's easy. It's convenient. Make sure you register there so we can send you all of the login information to join this intimate gathering uh, around this very important topic. Now, big shout-out to Rocky from um, Washington. Rocky from Colbert, Washington has just become our most recent monthly partner. So Rocky, I'm looking forward to seeing you uh, via Zoom this Thursday. If you'd like to become a monthly partner, it's easy to do so. Dial this number, 888-644-4144. That's 888-644-4144. Matthew Lee Anderson is my guest today. Uh, professor, author, he, is, uh, he has written a, a great book, Called into Questions, Cultivating the Love of Learning Within the Life of Faith. I think about, Matt, that famous uh, quote ascribed to Ansem, um, one of the uh, great saints of old, who said ours is a faith that's seeking understanding. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that
1: seeking, it's its one of my favorite phrases. Uh, it's actually the motto of the Baylor University Honors College where I teach. And that seeking in the Latin is querens, uh, which we get questioning from. And there's a sense of questing to it as venturing out and journeying. And if we think about what we have as a faith, we have you know, an answer. Jesus is the answer to the problems of sin and death. He is the answer to our unrighteousness he answers our deepest questions but in answering those he opens up the possibility of us asking new questions we have to be really careful with our questions right like we put our questions to god but god will put his questions to us and when god asks us questions he invites us also then to question him because questioning is a relationship of reciprocity of mutuality we ask and we answer and we ask and we answer and god does that with us as well and when Mm -hmm. he gives us the answer in jesus christ he invites us to quest to seek to pursue him through our minds by asking questions by coming up to the limits of our knowledge and by exploring the limits of our knowledge through asking
0: I love that. And and here's what I appreciate most about it is any thought that coming to Christ means that you detach from your brain or that you no longer can be a critical thinker or that you no longer can think deeply about science and about the arts and about culture and society and ethics. All of those uh, false assumptions about Christianity are mere straw man arguments and not consistent what we know to be true about the history of the Christian faith. We are called to love God with all of our minds, not just our hearts. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's why what Matt has written is so, in my opinion, such a great reflection and application mm-hmm. of the gospel and the greatest commandment. And that's why I want you to know that if you are a person with questions, that's, that, that's a good thing Uh, start with the foundation of uh, faith in God's ability to answer those questions and the truth of Christ, but keep pressing till you get to a place where you can have uh, peace with Christ around your questions. Let's go to the phone lines. Reuben is listening. Um, uh, He's listening to us in Florida. Hey, Reuben, thank you so much for calling. What's your question for Matt? My pleasure. I thank God for you and for your guest. I mean, it's like,
2: it's. I just driving. I ran into your your program. Um, basically, I have a I have a comment. I mean, a, Sunday I the pastor was teaching, and I came up with a question, but I also made a comment, which is faith without works is dead. I mean, it's it's, it's faith. Uh, you can have faith. You have measures of faith. You have uh, measures of of grace. And basically what I said that without love oh if you do work without love uh, that's not doing anything you're not doing anything so basically what he came back at me he refuted my my answer and it looked like he just wanted to hear his part so my question is is there a way that pastors can really listen and answer the questions or the comments through the word sometimes they do get mad They, they I think they, you're yeah, trying to contradict, sure. but it's just using the word. So that, that sure, was my comment, man.
0: and I appreciate your help. Yeah, thanks, Ruben, for calling. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah.
1: Matt? Yeah, thank you, Ruben. I, it's a hard problem. It's a really tough question. I mean, pastors we and writers, people like me, we get into this habit where we are answers people. People come to us, and we are expected to know what the truth is. And when someone comes to us with a question that might feel like it's undermining what we say, it's very easy for us to act defensive, right? And I think pastors, it's a real temptation. And I think that those who ask pastors questions, those who ask questions, have to realize that and be really actually generous and merciful with us. But I think pastors uh, should also really cultivate and welcome the questions of their congregants because what congregants are doing, what the parishioners are doing is holding them accountable to the word of God. Absolutely. And we should all want to be interrogated and to realize that every question that comes to us about what we say, especially when it's a question about uh, whether what we've said about the Bible is true is an opportunity to turn our attention again to the word together to open up the scriptures and to think with the scriptures together for just a brief moment. Right. Yes. And I, you know, people are busy and you can't do that all the time, but, and so sometimes you have to say like, that's a great question. Let, let's grab coffee and take it up at another time. But, you know, pastors need to see questions and questions from the people in our churches as opportunities to return with them to the word of god and to think more carefully and then to just freely own if if a pastor has said something wrong to just freely own it we shouldn't expect our pastors our writers people to to have all of the answers and to be right all of the time that's too high of a bar we are not god right and so pastors should be free to own when they've said something and they've changed their minds on it because of. of person in the church brought them a question. I yeah, think that that yeah. increases the confidence of lay people in their leadership when pastors do that sort of thing.
0: That's good. You know, I'll just add an, an amen to everything that Matt just said. I would say this, Ruben, um, as a pastor, I try to encourage uh, the members of my church that when you are asking in particular questions about the text, biblical questions, that's exactly what you're supposed to be doing. So praise God for it. I would simply say that this becomes a deeply personal uh, question, like what's the best way to do it? What's the best format? Every church and every pastor would answer that differently. So I would set up a meeting with that pastor and say, hey, I respect you. I appreciate you. How can I best ask questions within our, our church so that we all can be more faithfully aligned with the word? Hopefully that helps, Ruben. Take more of your questions right after this. Next up on Equip. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I am so thrilled that you've joined us today. Can you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. What a great day. What a great time of year it is. And what a phenomenal week of ministry we've already seen here at Equip. I want to say thank you for all of you who helped to support our initiative to send Bibles around the world, and to supply Bibles to believers in places where, quite honestly, the need is desperate. We here in America, on average, the average American home has about 13 Bibles. That's hard to believe, but that's true. Bibles are so accessible to us, not only in printed form, but ubiquitous in digital form. But for brothers and sisters in Christ who live in the Middle East, certain parts of Asia, Eastern Europe, other parts of the world that may be more restricted, having access to the Bible is a cherished and rare gift. And what we wanted to do as a radio family is to send 50,000 Bibles to believers around the world. And I want to thank you for helping to make that happen. Uh, As we think about ending this year with impact, I want to see as many people come to faith in Christ as possible and to have deep discipleship for those who have already put their trust in Jesus. Part of the way that you help to make that happen is through your prayers and your financial support. So as we stand today, we are about um, 80% from our monthly goal, about 80% from our monthly goal. That means about 20% of our monthly budgeted need has come in. That's all right, because we're still early in the month. But if you could stand with us today, I know you work hard for your resources, and so it's important that your resources get a return on investment. And what greater eternal ROI is there than making sure that the gospel light is shining bright in your community. That's what happens when you give to equip. You're proclaiming with us that Jesus is Lord, that salvation has come because Christ has come, that the Bible is true, that truth can be known, and that uh, grace and uh, forgiveness can be found in Jesus. And if that is important to you, if the gospel has transformed your life and you want to see others impacted, can you stand with us today? Now, here's what we're asking for, 10 friends who can stand with us with a $100 gift. Now, I know not everyone could do that, I also know some of you might be able to do even more because God has been so generous to you. But if you can be one of 10 friends that can stand with us today with a $100 gift, that can make a huge difference. The phone number 888-644-4144. Can you call now? Be the first person to stand with us today. I promise to keep you updated. 888-644-4144. That's 888 644-4144. Six four four forty one forty four. Go to equipradio.org. Boy, am I fired up about our guest and resource today. We live in a day and age in which there seems to be so much doubt that casts a shadow over many hearts and many believers. Not only is there doubt as, a, as the ethos of our culture, but even as you think about many within the church, and this is giving way to uh, an age of deconstruction, as many have called it, and maybe you have found yourself deconstructing, or maybe you know someone who once was a strong, vocal proponent of the Christian faith, who now seems to have denounced everything. How do we navigate through that? Well... Maybe the answer is by asking good questions. I'm joined today by Professor Matthew Lee Anderson, and I was so fired up that he was going to join me. He's a fellow Biola uh, alum. He was one of the smart guys who went through the Tory Honors Program. He also went on to get his uh, Ph.D. as well and is a professor at Baylor University, and I'm so grateful for His newest book, Called Into Questions, Cultivating the Love of Learning Within the Life of Faith. How are you, Matt? I'm doing very well. Thanks so much for having me on, Chris. I'm excited to talk to another Biola alum as well. (laughs) Well, I'm looking at the forward, and I thought about Fred Sanders. Man, how sweet is that? He was a a blessing. Those who went to uh, Biola or know Biola, know uh, Professor Sanders as well. But man, just talk about uh, how you have cultivated a love for learning, the life of the mind, w- the role that Biola played, but even more how you've continued that.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And it's uh, totally appropriate to mention Biola in this because my experience as an undergraduate there really deepened my love of learning. I spent a lot of time as an undergraduate asking questions, uh, thinking with my professors, thinking with peers about texts, about ideas, talking with them, arguing with them, questioning them, being questioned by them. <laughs> and in the course of all that, you start to think, like, what am I doing here? Like, wh- like I am asking so many questions and I'm being asked so many questions. What, what is this thing that is a question? Like, what are the actual tools that we're using? So I spent a lot of time reflecting about what questions are. And then I went on to teach at the high school level and I taught in a similar way where I I asked my students a lot of questions and I tried to get them to ask questions. And so, you know, I've I've spent a lot of time thinking about what questioning is and, and it's rooted in this sense that as we love God, our intellectual lives take the form of asking questions of God. I think about Mary's question in the Bible a lot. When the angel comes to Mary, mm-hmm. angel says you're going to bear the Messiah. And Mary responds to that by being perplexed. She's she's confused by it, as which is understandable, right? Like it's big news. Yeah, uh, and she asks a question. She says, "How will these things be for I have not known a man?" And that question, how? How will these things be? It's not doubt. She really expects that it's going to happen. It's how will these things be? She doesn't. She, she thinks that what the angel said is going to come true, but she wants to know how they're going to happen because she wants to understand what's going on and what her role is going to be. And then out of that question, she submits her will to God. You know, May it be to me according to your word. I think that that, that is a perfect distillation of how we can question effectively well within the Christian life. And it's, and it's something that I still continue to try to cultivate. I'm, you know, I've question, more questions about questions still, uh, that I, you know, even though I think I've got a lot of answers about them, I'm still learning as well.
0: Man, I'm, I'm grateful for the book because I think that the impact of your book is, uh, actually culture shaping. It is not only great for the individual, But I think about the church that can get a hold of this, the elder team that might walk Mm. through this together to really begin to think about the day and the age we live in, the heart yearning and how we can create an environment in which questions are okay to be asked. Because, you know, and I know that for so many, the negative assessment of, of the Christian faith and the church so often is that it's not a place where questions can be asked questions presuppose a two-way conversation and so often church mm-hmm. seems to be lecture only and a one-way conversation either you believe or not and if you believe you can stay with us if you don't get out and uh, unfortunately in this generation that does not um, seem to be the best way of processing the truths of the gospel and the importance of the coming of the Son of God into the world with uh, the hearts of men and women. I want to quote a good friend, Abdu Murray. Yeah, in his book, Saving Truth, he says this, we live in a day where doubting is a virtue and certainty is considered a sin. Mm -hmm. And I think that he's right about that. And I, I don't know about you, I've always been suspicious of this whole celebration of doubt and it seems like the church went through this season where it's like, let's celebrate doubt as a virtue. Your book doesn't seem to be doing that, while it does leave space for questioning. Talk about the difference.
1: Yeah, I think the, question, the difference is absolutely essential to get our heads around. I think that the, the New Testament is really down on doubt, right? We're exhorted in Jude to have mercy on those who doubt. But we have to really understand what the new testament is talking about what does what is it worried about when it speaks about doubt and there's this i use the image of a sea right uh if you're you're when you're on the sea you're thrown this way and that way it's really unstable you're divided within yourself there's a sense of tumult a sense of division lord i believe help my unbelief right as a as a paradigmatic moment of doubt there's a, a willingness, a wanting to believe, but also a, a hesitation. There's And so you're trying to do two things at the same time. You're trying to not believe, but also believe. So you're divided against yourself. And the New Testament, it does happen within the life of the believer. It can. But it's not a situation that the New Testament commends at all. It's a situation that the Lord um, extends his mercy to us in. Yes. And. So I I don't want to people to doubt. I actually think that when it comes to how the New Testament speaks about doubt, we should be really, really guarded um, and really careful about how we're thinking about it. But we do need to ask questions, and we don't have certainty about everything, right? And if we think about questions, you know, to go back to Mary's question, "How will these these things be?" She's she's not doubting. She's fully committed to the truth of what the angel said, but she doesn't know how it's going to happen. She's not certain about her state, her, her position or what's going to go on. And so she asks questions about it. And there are so many different arenas. Like I, we really have to recover the weirdness of the Christian faith in order to animate <laughs> questioning. This is why one of the things that I really want us to do, right? Because it's bizarre. Some of the things that Christians believe, like we just have to own that. Like, we believe in God, right? The yeah. Almighty. But then we yeah. think this God became human, and mm-hmm. in becoming human, He's still fully God, but He's fully human. Like, what? Yeah. What is that? It's a, it's a really perplexing. If you, if you just get outside for one minute, for sure. our upbringings, how we, you know, like how we were formed in the faith, and we, and we stand where
0: the the atheist stands.
1: You can look at and think, like, it's it's a really perplexing, really astonishing I mean, you,
0: you, you add in virgin believe. birth. You add in the resurrection. Yeah. I mean, there's you, you're, you're 100% right, and that causes another question to come to mind for me. And, and, and let me just say, overall, today what we're going to do is create a safe space for you to bring your questions. So if you're listening to this conversation between me and Matt, Professor Anderson, Uh, We're going to open up an opportunity for you to bring your questions. No holds barred. What are your questions about the Christian faith? We'll do our best to answer. And wherever uh, we uh, don't know, we'll be honest enough to admit that. Uh, But uh, humbly, we want to create a safe space for that to happen at 877-548-3675. That's 877-LIVE-675. Again, 877 548-3675. Five four eight thirty six seventy five. It can be your question or the question of someone you love that you're sharing the gospel with or processing through as, as well. And, and you don't have to be a believer to call. If you are questioning a doubter, just know you'll be treated with respect and we'll make sure we prioritize your call. But I will say that as I think about what you just said, and we got about a minute before break, what yeah. do you say to the thinking person who says, how do you take this seriously? I mean, you got a Ph.D. from Oxford University. You're not a dumb guy. How do you take seriously the claims of the Christian faith as a thinking person? I
1: think it explains the world better than anything else. It explains it in such a satisfying way. And what's satisfying about Christianity is that it opens up so many more questions. All these weird things that we believe, we are growing in our understanding of them, we can continue to have questions about them and to think about them. And if we had a faith that just only had answers where we didn't have any more questions, I actually think that would be unsatisfying to us, right? We are humans. We want to grow. We want to learn. And partly what's satisfying about the Christian faith is that it gives us a really stable home. It gives us a sense of security, and it gives us an explanation of the truth. But within that explanation, we get to learn and grow and ask more questions. And that itself is, I think, a great reason to be a Christian.
0: Couldn't have said it better, my friend. The book is called Called Into Questions. We're going to help to create a space for you to ask your questions today, your sincere questions about the Christian faith and the claims of the gospel the phone number to join the conversation with matt and myself is 877-548-3675 i don't want you to go anywhere the best of this program is ahead for us so stick and stay much more to come next up on equip with chris brooks Friends, I want to invite you to our next Equipper Zoom webinar coming up next Thursday, November 16th, right after the program. You know, many of us have faced pain and disappointment from other Christians and even church leaders. It's a unique problem that requires spiritual wisdom to remedy. That's why this webinar will focus on recovering from church hurt. We'll discuss how to restore our hearts and how to reconnect with a loving body of believers. Equippers, look for an email with registration details for this free interactive webinar. not an equipper become a monthly partner by calling 888-644-4144 going online at equipradio.org welcome back to equip with chris brooks matthew lee anderson is my guest today we're taking your cause as we cultivate a safe place for asking questions sincere questions about the things that matter most. Uh, Phone number is 877-LIVE-675. That's 877-548-3675. Matthew has written a book entitled, Called Into Questions. It's a great book on helping you to think through the power of questions, the life of learning, the life of the mind, and how that all fits within the Christian faith. So I want you to get a copy. Find out more at EquipRadio.org, EquipRadio.org. Let's go to Illinois. Dale is listening to us there. Thank you so much for listening to Equip. What's your question for Matt?
3: Yeah, um, so um, my question is, um, as a millennial, um, I'm passionate about sharing the gospel and how— How can I really, like, navigate to kind of, like, you know, store the question for individuals um, who have, like, you know, they have turned away from the faith, but understanding that, you know, Christianity is not just you going to a church or a building to worship. It's more of a relationship with Christ Jesus, sharing the gospel with others. Um, The main reason I'm asking this question is because even me as a millennial, um, I still go to church because I feel that the Bible says you should not forsake the body of, um, forsake the assembly of believers. But it's like Christianity has just turned to an issue where, well, what church you go to and this and that. And like, why do you go to this church or building to worship? But it's like, you don't have a personal relationship with Christ. It's more like a religion. And like, you want to turn away from that because if, if people don't see Christ in your life, then how can you say that you're a true Christian?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Number one, I love your question, Bammy Dele. Uh, and I think what you're asking us to do is give an apologetic for the local church. Why should anybody be a part of the local church? I certainly have my thoughts on that. Matt, what are your thoughts? No, I think it's a
1: great question. I honestly, I think Uh, sitting in on the webinar that you're doing on dealing with church hurt goes right to the heart of it because one of the things that you have to do in making a defense of the local church is recognize and acknowledge that a lot of millennials particularly have had really hard experiences in the local church you know i i in terms of talking with people who are skeptical about these things, I think it's really important to ask them a lot of questions and to make sure that we are understanding the reasons why they're down on going to church. Is it because they really just want to engage, you know, they want to take their kids to sports teams on Sunday morning instead and so they don't see the point? Or is it because they've had church hurt or that sort of thing? You can't build an apologetic for someone if you don't understand what the root source is of their discontent or their frustration with Christianity are. And so really asking a lot of questions because you care about this person and you're interested to know, why do they not trust the local church? Why are they not interested in attending the local church? It is the case that, you know, Jesus marries the church. And the only place we can, uh, in in the Bible, right, at the end of Revelation, uh, uh, Jesus is the bridegroom is united with his people and his people meet they are present in local congregations, local communities. And so the, the local church is crucially important for our spiritual lives and for coming to know God better because it's a place of worship and fellowship and, and bonding. And, you know, we need churches to be that sort of place so that we can have a clear witness for who God is in yeah. the world. But we've got to ask a lot of questions for people to to understand why they're averse to going to church in the first place.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I I would agree with you, and and I would just say this, Matt, that so much of um, I think these questions are best answered through our modeling. So, mm-hmm. uh, so, so yeah, there is a place for reasoning and conversation. But in particular, when it comes to people who, uh, man, you may be the only Christian they know, or you may be the only Christian they trust, I think so much is what they see modeled in your life. We know that old statement, there are five Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you. And uh, a lot of people don't read the first four. And so let's be uh, mindful of Man, when we seem to find life in the family of faith, when we seem to thrive in the community of believers, people see that, and that makes a huge difference. I also would um, just make sure that we recognize that we live in a culture that is really, really experiencing an epidemic of isolation that was accelerated through COVID, of hyper-individualism, mm-hmm. and uh, and and the church at its best is a spiritual family. That's how Jesus refers to the church over and over again. A household of faith is what the Apostle Paul calls the church in First Timothy. And so let's understand one of the great benefits of being a part of the church is that it is a spiritual family. It is a beloved community. Now, some fall short of that, just like our physical families fall short of that at times. Uh, But the beauty of the local church is having community and not having to walk through this life alone. And so I would, Bama Dele, uh, encourage you towards that as you are talking to your friends as well. Man, great for you being passionate about sharing the gospel. I really appreciate you Uh, doing that. And I want you to stay on the line. We're going to get you a copy of Matt's book. It sounds like you would use it. And uh, we just really want to invest in your journey with Jesus. So stay on the line and we'll get you a copy of Matt's book. Um, Matt, what what has been your hope as you've thought through, man, my hope for those who pick up this book is what?
1: Hmm. Uh, My hope is that their love for God would be intensified in such a way that they really do feel energized to ask God questions. And they also feel energized to open themselves to God God's questions to us through scripture, that we'd become more attentive to how God asks us questions and that we would be really liberated to bring all of our hardest thoughts before God and to do so in communities, like you were saying. These, you know, we're going to all go through very difficult times in this life. We are all going to struggle. We will all fall. And in those times when we struggle, when we experience suffering, questions force themselves upon us, right? Why did God allow this to happen is is one of the hardest questions we can ask. If we have been asking questions our whole lives, then when we experience that sort of struggle and that fall, we will be prepared for it. We'll be comfortable asking God that question because we've already asked him a lot of our questions and we know that he listens and that he answers and that he's there and that he's good. And so the more we ask questions, the more we'll be prepared. And the more we do that with others, the more others will be prepared to walk with us through those hard times of of doubt, of suffering when questions really weigh upon us and when we feel like we have to do something with them. Look, either we're going to question well or we're going to question badly. Those are the only two options, and I really want people to question well and to learn how to do that.
0: Let's talk about uh, how this can happen within a home, within a family, because I think about Mm -hmm. what you just described, and it seems like, man, wouldn't it be awesome if the dinner table was that type of environment? Just talk to parents, moms and dads, for a moment about what this looks like in a family? Yeah, it's it's a really good question. I mean,
1: children are instinctive question askers, right? Um, to the point that many many little children will annoy their parents because they ask so many questions. They don't know the right time or the right place to ask questions. They just ask their questions. And there's they're so free, and that's so wonderful about childhood. It's what we love. They're learning, they're growing, they're discovering that. And I think recapturing that or keeping that sense of childhood alive within a family is really really important and it comes through your like first parents being questioners themselves question parents being really interested in the world and opening themselves up to learning and to growth and and to thinking right because as you say Uh, What parents model is what children will do, and so parents who are really interested in the world and really interested in their children and who ask questions will form their children to do likewise, and so I, I think, you know, dinner time as a place of intellectual exploration where you talk not only about people's days and you hear what was good and what people struggled with, and uh, you create a a common conversation, but you also look beyond the walls of the house and beyond each individual's lives, and you ask questions about God. You ask questions about what's happening in the world, and you bring those types of conversations, and you think together, and you recognize the limits of your knowledge, and and you enjoy and you cultivate that. I think creating a question community in in the home is really important for our formation. I'll just put uh, out one other shout-out. Catechisms yeah. are overlooked as a form of Christian formation, like formal catechism. <laughs> You're going to make me cry.
0: You're yeah. going to make me cry, brother. It's You're a good thing
1: me... to do. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, just so folks can know who weren't raised in a catechism tradition, I wasn't raised in that tradition. Uh, I discovered it later. Catechism is a way of studying the Word through answering questions or presenting questions. uh, then then uh, answering them and there's been some great probably the most famous is the Westminster catechism there's a shorter and a longer version of that but there are a number of ones uh, probably more modern more popular is new city catechism Uh, but it but it's a way of saying here's a question you know what is the ultimate purpose of men you know uh, what is uh, the highest pursuit of life what is right? What is sin? So the question then drives the study of scripture, and it is a great way of cultivating not only the life of the mind, but a heart of faith towards God. But about a minute before a break, I I just, and this is so unfair, but if you were to ask the average person, where do they go for answers to their questions, increasingly so, uh, the answer would be Google, Alexa, Siri, What's dangerous about that?
1: So much is dangerous about that. I mean, for one, they're superficial answers and the answers that we need to our hardest questions take time, they take uh, maturation, they take marinating in the questions, allowing the questions to roll around the back of our minds as though, you know, while we're doing other things, like hard questions take time and cultivating patience within our intellectual lives is it's really really hard to do but i think it's increasingly important i look i teach college students and the single greatest threat to learning within our universities is smartphones and that's and it's not just the students it's the faculty it's all of us smartphones and distractions uh absolutely wreck the intellectual life they they absolutely destroy it and so you know detaching ourselves from those ways of answering questions will supercharge how we think about this world.
0: Yeah, man, so many great questions online. We're going to get to, uh, on the other side of this break, we're going to take a a couple more phone calls so you stick and stay for the rest of you. While we're on break, I want you to go to our website and uh, order a copy of Matt's great book, entitled called into questions called into questions you can find out more about uh professor anderson and the book at our website equipradio.org also today we are humbly but boldly asking for 10 friends who can stand with us with a gift of $100 or more so that we can finish this year strong if equip has been a blessing to you and encouragement I would just prayerfully ask that you would stand with us. The phone number, 888-644-4144, or equipradio.org. We'll be right back. Do you long for joy that supersedes your circumstances? Did you know that some of the most joyful people have endured unbelievable trauma? Because living joyfully is all about the habits we create in our daily lives. That's why I want to send you the Four Habits of Joy-Filled People by Dr. Marcus Warner and Chris Corsi. They combine spiritual truth with proven brain science to guide us into joyful living. This life-changing book can be yours with a gift of any amount to equip. Simply call 888-644-4144 or visit equippedradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. And you guys are doing a great job calling with some awesome questions. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to enter into a rapid fire round with uh, Matthew Lee Anderson. I'm going to ask your question on your behalf. So if you're online, listen to the question. And for those of you who are online, we're going to get you a copy of the book. We're going to get you a copy. The book. So if you're online right now uh, with us, you've called in, you're on hold, uh, stay on hold. Our producer will get your information so that we can get you a copy of the book. Let's start with Caleb's question. Caleb is, I'm a millennial. Um, How do we deal with using swear words? What's wrong or okay to use? This is a particular question for millennials. Matt, rapid fire round, what's a quick answer to that?
1: Yeah, we have to be very careful with all of our words. I think a lot about Jesus's line that, you know, every word we'll have to give an account for. And so, what counts as a swear word? You know, whether Paul uses one in the New t- in Galatians or not, you know, that's a, that's a big debate among people. But I think we just have to be really careful with words more generally. And sometimes it might be the case, as Paul does, to use very, very, very strong language. But if you're doing it frequently, then you just don't care about words at all, and that's a real problem.
0: Yeah, and I love what Paul says in Colossians uh, 4 and 6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned Mm -hmm. with salt, so that you may know— how you should answer each person. So the real question or litmus test is, am I using this word to build someone up or to tear someone down? That's a really important part of it. All right, let's go to Craig. Craig is asking this question. Uh, people uh, sometimes get upset with works of justice and mercy, like helping the poor, refugees, orphans, and they think that works are a substitute for faith and salvation. What's the balance there?
1: Yeah, no one at the Reformation disagrees that faith without works is dead. Everyone thinks that faith has to lead to works, and so if I, you know, if people are getting upset about doing good works, the remedy for that is continuing to do good works with a clean conscience before God, and knowing that your faith is animating good works.
0: Yeah, I love that, and and the fact is, is that you're talking about uh, works evidence sincere faith, right? Mm-hmm. works that's, yeah that's exactly so, right yeah so if you're looking for tangible evidence you can say you have faith all day long what james would say is how do you evidence that how do you show that not that works are a replacement of that and uh and if uh the highest call of the christian life is love god and love neighbor uh the highest way that we show that is through our own uh willingness to sacrifice for our brother and sister that is in need all right, last mm-hmm. uh, caller, I, I, I'm going to try to pronounce the name, uh, Jeru Luzi. I hope that's right, Jeru Luzi. All right, uh, from Florida, husband is a Jehovah's Witness. Should she join him uh, at his services, and how should they raise the kids? Oh, wow.
1: Um, I'm, I'm reticent to give practical, like sort of life advice over the air, because there's always so many details and everything about practical decision making depends on the details. So, you know, I, I, I think the Jehovah's Witness is not bearing witness to the truth of the gospel in the right way. I think there's lots about that community that's really attractive to uh, young people They're, who are looking for discipline and rigor and who want stability. So I think there's lots that's very attractive to to folks in that way. That's very interesting, but I don't think it's bearing witness to the truth of the gospel. And I think there's things that come along with it that are, that are um, not right at all. And so I, I would not be comfortable going to a Jehovah's witness community at all. And I, I think that a spouse
0: should probably not. Yeah. And I would say this comes down to a bigger question of authority How do we handle um, honoring the authorities of our lives when the Bible tells us, wives, you should honor your husbands? I would say this, the priority in the scriptures is that we honor heavenly authority, then earthly authority. So if there is a tension between, man, how do I honor my husband? How do I honor God? You have to first start with honoring God and then respectfully going to your husband and explaining in tears at times, I love you, I wanna honor you, I wanna make sure you know that I support you, but I have to honor God first and I don't believe this way is the truth. Matthew Lee Anderson, you are off the hot seat, my friend. Thank you so much (laughs) for the awesome book. It's been such a joy to talk to a fellow Viola alum. Thank you, Chris. This has been really wonderful. Uh, Friends, I want to encourage you to find out more at our website, EquipRadio.org. While you're there, support the program as well, prayerfully and financially. Until we're together again next time, as always, remember, Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.